Hello and welcome to our podcast, Creatures of Yord. My name is Freya. And I am Jayanna. And we're two friends making a podcast where we explore paranormal creatures. Together, we record at night in our tent with a torch. So grab your soft toy and turn on all of your lights because we're about to get into it and things are going to get creepy. Podcast purpose built desk. <laughs> we do need a purpose built desk. We need a um a support crew, like in a like rally car drivers, <laughs> <laughs> just to bring us tea. Bring us tea. Turn the microphone on. But edit, they look edit really hectic, nice. like <laughs> like a rally car, like crew. Rich, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but inside of their trailers is just a tea set <laughs> and some for beers us. for us. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So Jay, I was telling you that this week when I was researching my ghost story i just like went on a rabbit hole of reading random research about people who research if people believe in ghosts and like why and things like that and i found a study from 2018 and it was that 58 percent of people in america believe that places can be haunted haunted by spirits and there's research from dc that said one in five people in america say that they've seen a ghost or like a spirit presence and i thought that's a lot that's way that more than i thought yeah and then from there I was researching like why do people think they've seen a ghost and things like that. Anyway, then it went into um, pareidolia, which is when you see objects or patterns that in otherwise random or unrelated objects or patterns. So it'd be like when you look at like the power socket and it looks like a little smiley face mm-hmm. and it's like your brain is trying to put things together and make it look like something familiar. Oh uh, yeah, like the front of a car as well. Yeah. Like the headlights and the like um, filter thing is like the mouth. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's like at all times your brain is constantly getting too much information so it can't focus on everything so it tries to focus on what it thinks is important and oh, then... I, mean, I wish my brain did that. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it pieces the rest together and just makes it up they used to think it was a form of psychosis but now they say it's just like that's just human like nature to be like that that your brain needs to process information and it's going to just form it into whatever is like a neat package when i was reading about pareidolia which is your brain finding meaning in what it sees or perceives people would use that theory to disprove paranormal Mm -hmm. but i think actually people could maybe use this theory as an inverse as their argument of why paranormal maybe is real because the whole thing with pareidolia is that what you perceive isn't real it's just like your brain and like your eye like processing everything and actually like basically it goes to the theory of like what is reality mm-hmm. because it's yeah. all just like the way your brain yeah is perceiving yeah. everything so yeah i mean yeah i just guess that this theory could be both sides of the argument could hold on to um this explanation and explain mm. why they are right I think the current neuroscience on this is that we don't see actual reality, that there's something out there like super solid and fixed and we only receive slash interpret a portion of what is there. We don't see the full light spectrum. We only hear certain frequencies of sound, etc. So what you're saying is that on the one hand, ghost skeptics might 
argue that the brain is just playing tricks on people that believe in ghosts, mm-hmm. that they're not interpreting the input information properly or that they're lost in the delusions of storytelling in their mind. But then on the other side, ghost believers might turn around and say, well, hang on a minute, it's all interpretation. So, or like it's mostly interpretation. So why is my interpretation any less valid than yours? And then this side of the argument actually has quantum physics to back it up so a lot of people would have heard or remember the double slit experiment in that was in 2007 in France where they found that photons change their behavior when they were observed Mm -hmm. according to the findings of this experiment it might actually be impossible to study objective reality as it were later on the podcast i'm going to to go into the tibetan worldview with my ghost subject in their worldview everything is subjective and there's no such thing as objectivity and this worldview actually fits better with I guess the most recent science or at least the most recent quantum physics. Right. And this worldview is the worldview that actually leaves things open for the existence of ghosts. So, all right, let's get on to your story. I want to know what you have for me this week. Okay, so this week I picked a story, a fable from like Venezuela and Colombia called El Silbon, and that means the whistler. Hmm. Um, and so this, yes, yeah, story ori- originates from Los Llanos. Have you? Did you go there on your travels? No, it's like I near the Andes, that. east of the Andes. No, I didn't go to Colombia. Ah, true. Okay, well, so that's where this originates from, and it originated in the um, mid nineteenth century. So, as the story goes, there was this farm boy. And he was a really spoiled brat, and his parents just did everything for him, and they just like, yeah, they just let him rule the house basically so one day he said to his father that he wanted to eat a deer for dinner which was his favorite meat and he said dad go get me a deer for dinner like it's chop chop (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah basically he demanded a deer for dinner anyway so the father went out hunting but he didn't find a deer so he came home empty-handed and the son was so enraged and pissed off at his dad that he murdered him cut out his liver and heart okay (laughs) Cut out his liver and heart and then without his mother knowing, he gave like the liver and heart to the mother to cook up for dinner. Ew. Yeah. And so as they were eating the dinner, the mother was kind of like, what the hell? Like, where's my husband? And like, this meat tastes really weird. And then as she was seeing that, she realized like, fuck, my son has killed my husband. And so she was so upset that she curses him for eternity Later, the grandfather comes home and finds out that this has all happened and he punishes his grandson, the murderer, by tying him to like a pole or a tree and then whipping his back until it's like all ripped open and bleeding. And then depending on which version of the story you go by, he then cleaned it with like lemon or alcohol or chili so it really stung. And then he like untied him and released him into Los Llanos, which is the big wilderness like with a sack full of the father's remains and two rabid dogs that were starving so that they would like ravage the man um and send him off and like banished him to like carry the father's remains for all of eternity jesus was he so was he like the dogs were like chasing him or yeah basically so he sent them so they like really hungry yeah um so that's like the background fable but then these days and ever since that happened 
people say that the spirit haunts this Los Llanos area and that he is this really skinny, tall man and he wears this woven like farmer style hat from the region that you can hear him on a like a hot night but he won't attack or anything until it's like a humid or wet night but I will play you the sound that he makes um, when he's around. makes sense because he's called the whistler the whistler yeah so they say that that's like the tune that he hums as he walks around and i thought this was really interesting because it's exactly the same as when i did pontianak or kuntilanak um, a few weeks ago that if you can hear that whistle um, and it sounds close he's actually far away but if the, the whistle sounds really distant he's actually right near you oh, which is exactly is the same really weird. yeah what? yeah and so basically they say that if you do hear the sound really far away, it's like foretelling that your death is imminent and that he'll come and get you. And the only thing that will keep him away, like away from you is a barking dog because obviously he's frightened of dogs because he was eaten by them after his uncle set the two rabid dogs on him. Christ. Some people also say if you have a whip or chili that keeps him away because like the grandfather like lashed his back mm. um, and they say yeah that he comes out on humid and wet nights and that his key targets and the people he wants to punish are like alcoholics or people who are really drunk and womanizers mm. and so they say if he finds like a drunk person who he wants to kill he sucks all the alcohol out of them through their belly button <laughs> so weird does yeah. it make a whistling sound <laughs> <laughs> so creepy yeah Great. um and then he says if he finds a womanizer he'll tear him to pieces remove the bones and then he adds the bones to the sack sometimes he'll just come by people's houses and he doesn't want to attack you but he just comes there and sits by your house and he'll open his sack and he'll count all his bones if he does that he comes by your house to count his bones mm-hmm. if you hear him so you hear him counting the Rattling bones his bones yeah his little bag of bones um if you hear him then you won't die but if you don't hear him, so you don't notice that he's there, someone in the household will be dead by morning. And I kind of think, mm, so if you didn't hear him and you didn't know he was there, how? And then someone dies. So hang on. So, so you, if you don't hear him, you die. Yes, but someone you, in the house will be dead by morning. And so I think. But if you do hear him, you will die. No, if you do hear him, it's fine. It's fine. If he's just counting the bones. And he won't kill you? No. So he'll only kill if the person d- in, a person in your house. If you don't hear him. If you him. don't hear him, yeah. So, I mean, if someone in your house dies overnight, your grandma at home dies overnight, um, and you didn't hear anything, how the hell are you attributing it to this guy? Oh, well, depends how he kills his victims. Is it well, very... In that instance, he doesn't kill them. It's just someone dies. They just die. Like, so, it's not like the same drop as... Drop of like, a hat. Yeah, it's not the same as like an alcoholic or the womanizers where he like rips them apart. Or like his apart. dad, yeah. Yeah, it's like they are just dead in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like people trying to explain like an, a, a death maybe that has happened that's unanticipated or maybe had someone had an illness that they didn't know about and then uh, they suddenly yeah. die. And so then the next morning they're like, oh, he must have been around and we just didn't hear him and that's why they're dead. But I think, yeah, pretty abstract conclusion to come to because, yeah, like it's like there's, you don't hear anything and then you're like, oh, it's this ghost. Or it's like, well, why why do you think it's that ghost or another ghost if the evidence is that there was nothing? Yeah, I suppose maybe just like if it's kind of like locally, like a popular folklore. Yeah, yeah. folklore in your area. I do feel like a lot of these stories might actually have their origin in some kind of 
event like a real event that mm-hmm. happened that potentially shook people because something has to sort of plant the seed like you know occasionally people can be just be very imaginative and like create an idea that kind of just takes off but mm-hmm. um you know if there was like a boy who killed his father and ate him early case of cannibalism <laughs> it would make sense that that would like shake the community enough that it would be a story for generations to come and yeah. kind of be embellished um, to moralize. Like, I guess even sim- like you don't, don't spoil your children, like as in that to regard. And then I guess, cause this ghost then goes and punishes specifically people who are like drunk or womanizers. It's like deterring against those behaviors as well. All right, Jay. Well, um, should we get some little spooky snacks? Yes, it's time for spooky snack time. Hello and um, welcome back to another ASMR spooky snack time. Mm -hmm. This week, Freya, for our spooky snack, Mm -hmm. I've actually killed my father (laughs) and um, taken out his heart and... (laughs) That's the snack that I have for us today. How did you cook it? Really, really well done. Like ultra crisp. Mm. Not as crispy as I thought. (laughs) Mm, Not bad, actually. Alright, next snack. <laughs> what else I have also me? brought for you, Freya, something completely unrelated. What is that? Okay, so have you ever eaten a fish eyeball? I haven't, Jay. You've never eaten the eyeball of one of those roasted fish? Maybe. Okay, well. In the, <laughs> in the middle of the mushy eyeball, there's a little hard bit. And I've gotten like a million of those. Alright. Dehydrated them a bit, and that's what the next snack is. Sort of bitter. <laughs> God, you really love those uh, fishbowl eyes. Okay, well, welcome back um, from spooky snack time. Mm, fluff Papa J heart. And fish eyes. Mm-mm. Okay, Freya. Are you ready for my story of the week? I certainly am. Okay. <coughs> this week is weird. <laughs> Think lonely incels and evil My Little Pony imaginary friends, okay. which has its history in Tibetan Buddhism. So, um, yeah, Freya and I actually learned a bit more in depth about incels recently, didn't we, Freya? Yeah, maybe you can explain to people what an incel is. Involuntary celibate, so someone who hasn't had sex but not by their own choice. Yeah. Yeah, um, but then more broadly, it kind of refers to like a subculture of mainly guys who consider themselves to be very nerdy and mm. um, have kind of started online forums like um, on 4chan in particular, but yeah. and just like demonizing women for not having sex with them yeah. and and hot men for taking women from them and yeah, stuff. <laughs> exactly. And just in general, blaming society for for being kind of like directionalist. Okay, so the subject for this week is tulpas and tulpamancy. Okay, never yes. heard of it. 
Tulpism, Tulpomancy, is basically the practice of making extremely real imaginary friends for yourself. But they're so real that the, the end point outcome can be that you hallucinate them as being so real that they're hanging out with you with their own distinct personality and seemingly their own distinct sentience. Wow. So it's not like you're controlling them that they actually have their own consciousness and stuff. Yep. So um, I guess like initially you are more controlling them but as um you get deeper into the process they become more how you would imagine like a schizophrenic person like hallucinate mm-hmm. someone in their reality um the origin of the word and the idea of tulpa comes from the tibetan buddhist word spralpa which means emanation or manifestation mm-hmm. yeah like one form of this is like the dalai lama so the dalai lama is a tulpa right he's a tulpa of chen rezig who mm-hmm. is um the bodhisattva slash god slash amorphous archetypal spirit energy of compassion. So he personifies that or he actually is the bodhisattva? Yeah, so Chen Rezig, the bodhisattva of compassion, okay. has, as the kind of god, mm-hmm. has chosen to take physical form in the Dalai Lama right. in every generation. Right. Yeah, so you can also think of like an avatar, a computer avatar, or mm. even like um, the movie Avatar where there's like one person's soul yep. going into another body well, mm-hmm. through, I guess like in Avatar, it's like this high-tech form or whatever, yep. but that's like the same sort of idea. Then it's sort of caught on in the West in mainly occult circles, I guess like the possibility of being able to achieve these states. And then it kind of became this modern fad and started circulating through internet circles. So like most sources say that it started on a 4chan site. So, But then extended to meetup groups on tulpa.info and subreddit rtulpas. So like I saw, there was like 35,000 members in the tulpas thread. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Is it still active now? Um. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it really sort of seems to pique like the interest of two types of people in the west and it's basically like lonely people that want to use like this idea of tulpa or tulpamancy to create a imaginary friend for themselves and people who are into lucid dreaming right okay so the whole thing is that like through meditation and meditative exercises and sort of creative writing you create a separate sentient consciousness within your own mind and they have their own emotions and will and opinion and yeah so the host only sees the imaginary friend in their imagination funnily enough for this reason a lot of skeptics get into it because they don't really have to believe in anything because it's like oh it's just all in my imagination no one else can see it Mm. Unless you go to back down the Tibetan Buddhist tulpa hole, which is, mm-hmm. is about sending some part of your consciousness into like a real, into someone else in like real life quotations. Right. Yeah, yeah. Also, in Tibetan Buddhism, widely it's considered that um, your subjective experience is the only experience. So, like, it there's doesn't. no objective experience, it's all. A subjective experience of the world kind of in the way that a source consciousness like reflecting on itself so for instance like if you can imagine like at the at like the quintessential essence of reality there's like a diamond okay and the diamond is reflecting like the light mm-hmm. or, like light that's shining at it 
and then it's sending off like rainbows and images and allu- like light illusions everywhere mm-hmm. and they all have a slightly different form. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we're experiencing life as those slightly different forms. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, like, I guess another way of putting that, we are all tulpers of the universe. <laughs> right. What's the universe then? I guess you could think of the universe as just kind of fundamental principles of awareness or sentient consciousness. Right, but it's not. It's not. Doesn't go back to one god or something. Um, it's just the universe is that. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you could say maybe like I don't know, but maybe it could go back to like some like energy source or something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a mm. one god, but singularity gets thrown around a lot. I guess <laughs> yeah. Big Bang or whatever. Yeah. But like, kind of like if you could imagine that the Big Bang had thoughts feelings intentions and <laughs> right yeah 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 so you don't really have to like believe in anything as such in order to like create a tulpa but it does raise like a lot of questions about the malleability of the mind in general and mm-hmm. what you can create in your reality so um yeah so a lot of people are like yeah um because it's you don't have to believe in anything people are like yeah it's not a cult <laughs> like um <laughs> warning bells <laughs> um yeah and yeah, it's anytime like, you hear it's not a cult yeah, it's, it's a cult. Like, <laughs> first red flag yeah but it's not like a religion apparently it's a practice um well, that's what they all say <laughs> it's a practice that's used for self-improvement and to deal with loneliness the hosts of the tulpa claim that like the the tulpas can help them retrieve memories heal trauma block chronic pain or like help them with their studies and stuff or Sounds uh, quite nice, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like another one is just like you're basically able to create someone who's so intimately connected to you that you can talk about anything with them mm-hmm. and just express all of your thoughts and feelings to them. And then for lucid dreamers, um, it's a way to explore the potential, like the power of like your mind and like the creative powers of your mind. Yeah, cool. Some people do it like so that they can see things from a really radically different perspective someone to give them a different way of seeing the world and yeah so it can apparently it can take up to two years to actually create like a separate voice that responds to you that's actually crazy and like some people like have been working on their topples for like six years or more so people get really really into it so I think for lucid dreamers like it kind of makes more sense to me I kind of think like they're exploring the potential of the mind Mm -hmm. for lonely people creating imaginary friends i was kind of like this is weird but then i'm also like it's worth considering how real loneliness is for a lot of people out there and how severe social anxiety might be yeah and like i was thinking about castaway how tom panks like talks to wilson the volleyball and like everyone can relate to that everyone's like well he needs a friend like there's no other sentient being out there and the fact that he like has invented this full personality for wilson's like everyone's like i would do that too there's really in-depth methods for how to achieve tulpas um but here's like a quick rundown of some of the methods Mm -hmm. so apparently it kind of falls into two categories active forcing and passive forcing (laughs) so active forcing is like imposing your tulpa's form into the world and people say it's like aka like fake it till you make it so you like imagine them write about their form who they are you 
kind of like imagine a world where you can both exist and you go and meet them and have like conversations with them in your Mm. head kind of like starting to create like a split I guess and you try and get them to respond to you I mean you guess people do that in general like sometimes when I'm driving I like you and you think like "Mm, I'm gonna have a conversation with this person like especially if you're gonna like um have like a confrontation or something Mm -hmm. and you think in your head and you like you say your argument and then you think about what they would say as their argument but you actually kind of play it out in your head like a little video that's kind of Mm, yeah totally there's active forcing and then there's passive forcing so passive forcing is like doing regular day-to-day things but communicating to your tulpa in your head like you're hanging out with your imaginary friend basically And then like eventually you start to hallucinate them into reality and then you help them like move one finger and then eventually help them to walk and talk in like your reality. Wow. (laughs) So then at that point you actually are perceiving them sitting next to you and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. And like I think it's also worth mentioning that like a lot of people like, um, you know, on Reddit threads are like, why like you people just giving yourself schizophrenia and stuff? But it's really considered to be a lot different because schizophrenia is diagnosable illness that is caused from trauma and the people who experience schizophrenia don't have any control of their visions yeah whereas people who have created a tulpa have done so very intentionally and spent a lot of time and effort working on them to the point that they feel intimately connected to them and they can like work in harmony with them Mm -hmm. yes so i guess maybe in schizophrenia as well you're maybe dominated by the visions and this Tulpa, it sounds more like you control the vision. Yeah, so there's this thing that happens um, that they do called switching, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the Tulpa gets curious about what it's like to be in, like, the bo- the meat form. <laughs> and so the host agrees to allow the Tulpa to take over their body. Do you think this is, like, a um, protective layer? Say you're, like, not a very confident person, and then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, the Tulpa will... The Tulpa wants to go to the party and then the Tulpa is like this really charismatic, confident person <laughs> and it's like a protective barrier because then that's the reason you're confident is because you're like, it's not me, it's um, the Tulpa. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Yeah, there's like, I think there's all sorts of like extremes with this where some people kind of just have like um, like a fantasy of having achieved like a Tulpa or it's just mm. kind of like another per- another aspect of their personality that they like give more strength to and mm. then other people who go like fully down the rabbit hole to like man like hallucinate someone right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah definitely do think that and sometimes it's funny when you're on these like reddit threads like it'll be someone being like hi i'm michelle i'm a tulpa <laughs> and oh my gosh. this is my opinion <laughs> blah 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 and you're like okay that person has switched apparently <laughs> yeah. or whatever like yeah. or they're just pretending but i mean yeah we know that the first part of making it a reality is the active forcing so, so yeah. even if they don't fully believe it they're on their way there by yeah. pretending True. okay so <laughs> There's like this really weird and specific spin-off from this from this. And okay, so apparently I'm a little bit behind. The sort of height of this fad was when we we're kind of like in college. Okay. So, so like ten years not, ago. Yeah. So it's not like a huge deal anymore, but mm-hmm. it's definitely still something people get into. Right. So it's called bronies. No idea. <laughs> okay. 
So I'm going to show you some pictures of a brony and I would like you to explain to people what you see. Okay, so it is a, oh, I do know what this is. I have seen like a documentary of this. Bronies are like My Little Pony, pe- people who dress up in like cosplay, My Little Pony. So like right now it's like a chubby white guy. He's got a rainbow wig on, a baby blue shirt, some little tiny wings and then some little... Um, like my little pony ears on. <laughs> There's like your classic brony, which is like just someone that loves unicorns. But there's this like spinoff, which was like really big, which combines bronies and tulpamancy. Right. So basically people who decide to make their, mag- uh, their imaginary friend are my little pony. <laughs> it's so cute, but it's so random that, that this is such a huge phenomenon. Like... Mm. Why that of all other TV shows? So people say that My Little Pony is like innocent Mm -hmm. and like who would you want, I guess, like as a best friend more than like a My Little Pony who's just like magical magical and fun and non-threatening. I guess so. And cute you know, fear of just, like, violence and social judgment is, like, big yeah. and, like, uh, My Little Pony doesn't really seem like the type of person that's ever going to judge you too harshly. Totally, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of these people get teased having sexual relations with their Tulpa ponies, which apparently is, like, a connecting point for some of these, like, forums. So, right. you know, people don't really hide it. <laughs> you know, if you're that keen on having sex with a magical pony it's probably better that you do that in your head <laughs> and yeah so just like a bit of a stat here so um for toplomancies uh the male to female ratio is like 75 25 male female right so, yeah like mainly attracts men mm-hmm. although yeah to 10 percent identify as gender fluid i don't know if you've like some alarm bells have gone off in your head about like potential cautionary. I guess now that you said that it could be people committing crimes or doing bad behaviors and then not taking responsibility and blaming it on their tulpa. So if and then you... it just sounds like more extreme. Yeah. So I can see like, say you were a psychopath or something mm. and you had this deep urge to kill people or animals or something, but like say shame <laughs> was the thing that was holding you back. You could like override that by using a tulpa to kind of go and do your dirty work and yeah. then kind of like be like, oh, well, it was like not me. It was my tulpa, tulpa kind of thing yeah. to yourself even And yeah, there were like a few cases basically of people who were a bit like reckless with the creation of their tulpas and then they sort of started to feel like they were going schizophrenic or something. Especially if you're a lonely person, perhaps. Mm, Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, when you spend a lot of time alone or like, I don't know, in a random context and you kind of feel like, what the hell is reality? Like, what's you feel kind of weird about things. And Mm. so I guess if you're alone and then you're like manifesting this... Mm -hmm little other entity mm-hmm. and then after a while you would probably lose touch a bit mm. yeah people talk about i guess like one particular instance which you probably remember um or like vaguely hearing about so i don't know if you remember in like t- well yeah it was like in 2014 that it happened um two 12 year old girls took a um another 12 year old girl into the woods and stabbed her 19 oh, Slenderman, times right yeah the slender man yeah. thing 
Slender Man. He's like this thin and tall and creepy looking, wears like a suit and he's faceless. He doesn't have a face. The girls who stabbed the other little girl did so because they believe so strongly in the Slender Man the um, myth of him. Yep, in, in the myth of him that they thought he was real and they wanted to sacrifice someone. So there was something going around at the time that said like if you sacrificed someone, he would like come and sort of like take you as like one of his... Yeah, to his like castle. And yeah. I guess the Slender Man, like, he's a really creepy figure, but he really resonates with a lot of lonely, these like loner types because even though he's freaky, he kind of represents how they feel, which is like misunderstood, but a good person at his heart and things like that. Faceless in the crowd. Yeah. So he's not actually, he's a bit of an anti-hero for um, people. I didn't get that aspect of it where they wanted to be with him. I'm like, why would they want to be with him? And then basically, and then the Slender Man has this like kingdom and the ideal idea is like, if you appease him, he'll take you to this kingdom. And it's like where people like him and you can all be together and be happy because you're misunderstood in like the real world. Oh, like there will be other people there too, like a lonely person. Yeah. Cult. It's like, yeah, all these people who don't fit into actual like society mm, can go totally. there. Totally. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Slenderman started as he was just sort of like edited into the background of like a few photos. I think posted like anonymously online or something. And then from there, basically, like there was like an internet community started basically creating the details of who he was, what his personality was, what he stood for, what he looked like and the folklore. So in a sense, like he, people started thinking of him as a communal tulpa, Mm -hmm. especially because everyone at the same time as creating him was aware that he wasn't real, which is the same as when you're creating a tulpa. But then with the little girls, I suppose like coming to believe in him by stabbing a little girl who almost died, they were kind of almost like bringing the reality of the horror of Slenderman into existence by just believing in him. Yeah, you could almost see it as like you know the um the monster of Slenderman was like possessing them to go of the two girls who committed the crime. Afterwards, one of the girls was really distraught and upset about the whole situation. The other girl was pretty normal. Um, And basically the one who like kind of didn't feel remorse from it, turns out she has a lot of mental health issues Mm. and she'd really manipulated the other friend and the other friend was kind of like a little bit of a lost soul because she's like a 14-year-old girl. Um, And then she kind of got coerced into the situation, Mm -hmm. but it was like the domineering one who, yeah, I guess perhaps has mental health issues and then – was yeah maybe like you're saying she was using the slender man i don't know like yeah i guess she was using the slender man as her tolster and her excuse because she had one yeah maybe totally yeah 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 totally yeah um so she ended up being diagnosed with schizophrenia um but the other girl in the end also ended up pleading um like a mental health related issue and they were both sentenced right. to time in um, a mental institution <laughs> which sounds awful but i guess like better than prison and some mental institutions are quite well like operated all right frail well i think that is a good time to wrap it up for another week and yeah, got some um, big ponderings for the following week so thanks everyone for tuning in again and uh good night and sleep tight <laughs> Yeah.